thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome, pilots. You're tuned to the guard frequency because, as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 251 of the best damn space sim podcast ever, recorded on Friday, March 8th, and made available for download on Tuesday, March 12th, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Ken Shadow. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. And Tony's all out of song lyrics that he can swap out dream for stream, right, Ken Shadow? That's right, Jeff. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter, at GuardFreak. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so hit us up. Tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should come and join us at 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency Live over at twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? You can always show your support by visiting our website, clicking on that Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us week over week, and we hope you consider joining them. The more support we get, the better show we can make. Head over to our website and click on the big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure and trek them out over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping is done, so let's get to the show. What have we got in store this week, Brian? In this week's flight deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest from Star Citizen, Elite, Dangerous, and Objects in Space. Next, we'll get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDunn on Galactic Public Radio. After that, we continue our audio adventure, Guard Frequency Origins, now with zero defects. Really? No defects? None. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach. Trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. Frontier Developments is relying on user-generated content this week as we enter the new era of keeping ourselves amused in Elite Dangerous. Also, FDev wins a GameIndustry.biz award for the best workplace as soon as Ed Lewis quits. Coincidinky? Star Citizen has a sassy new mission giver, a new cave system, and the bad new defender has been given a push. And Objects in Space is a space submarine environment simulator, and our show is about that genre now. I've decided. You've decided. I've I've decided that we are now going to be a space submarine environment simulator show. That's where that's we're gonna. This will be the last week we cover space sims at all, and we're just gonna do this this specific type of game. Okay. Well then, can then consider this my resignation. No, no, you're gonna love it, Jeff. Jeff. 
don't you think you can sleep in your chair while we talk about submarines just as well as you sleep in your chair while we talk about space sims? I I think so. I think you could do that. I think it I think it's entirely possible. Just wake up and yell at Tony once in a while. It'll be the same show. <laughs> as long as there's enough, as long as there's sufficient Jeff yelling at Tony, I think we can cover. <laughs> we just need a we just we need can... a button. When you press the button, it shocks Jeff's chair, and he pops awake and says, Tony, you ignorant slut. We're gonna... And then that's, that's the whole thing. Tony said we're going to cover mobile games. Like, we're going to be a bejeweled-centered... <laughs> that's right. We only cover games from 2006 for the uh, Zune. <laughs> Have you guys... Did you guys... Did you guys hear about this game? It's so great. It's called Tetris. Really it's great amazing. music. Seriously. Oh, it's got, like, this, yeah. like, Russian vibe. Sweet. <laughs> So just let me get this out of my system and off my chest. Objects in Space is a fun game. Uh, we covered it a little bit a while ago when it first came into early access. Just mentioned it real briefly last week, and I said I'd, I'd take it out. It's fun. I, I enjoyed it. It's it is um, it's not a real intense experience. I just want to tell you that I got so much laundry folded while I played that game. It's 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 amazing. I got so much laundry folded because you like you fly to the different planets and stuff. And you hit go, and there's like a timer up in the corner that tells you how long it's going to get to get to your destination. And I'm like, oh, I got eight minutes. All right, big pile of laundry. Here you go. See you. And, you know, and there's a time compression component, but I'm like, there's a big pile of laundry here. Uh, there's eight minutes where probably nothing's going to happen. Oh, okay, let's 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 get productive here, folks. Kind of sounds like Hellion in certain parts. <laughs> yeah, but does Hellion give you a timer? It, yeah, yeah. You, oh, it you does. Tell, oh, okay. You can think you can tell how long it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so. It it, it 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 worked for me because uh, I needed to fold some laundry, so it, it, it totally worked. But um, but it is very submarine like, you know, you dock at stuff and it gets you get like the clank when the doors open, and you you just you see a screen in front of you. It's a bunch of displays. You don't see stars whizzing by you or anything like that. You fire torpedoes from tubes, and when they get close to the targets, they start pinging. I mean, it's, I mean the the ambiance for it is submarine all the way through. <laughs> uh, it's in space. But it's in space. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh... But it, it's, uh, so, it, you know... You, so this is kind of like Macross, really. I, if you've I ever guess, seen the anime of Macross, it's a big submarine in space. Uh, the, it could be, except you're all by yourself. There's no crew or anything. You just you just you fly by yourself. From a realism standpoint, that sounds more realistic in some regards. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is kind of, it is, I think, more realistic. But it's, um, it, it's still a little buggy. More realistic in some regards. More realistic in some regards. It, it's it's still a little buggy, but I think it's uh, it's got legs, and they are patching it. I crashed a desktop uh, multiple times uh, on one day of playing, and the next day they had a patch, and it, it seems to fix the problem. So uh, it's uh, they're they're fixing the problems. It's kind of fun, but it's not intense. So get a pile of laundry, uh, put it next to your desk. Uh, put pull up uh, some Netflix on the one uh, on one half of your screen, and, uh, and and play this game because it's uh, I think it's a lot of fun. There, yeah. that's my review. Is this a is this a Steam game or? Uh-huh. It's it, it's it's available on Steam. It's not multiplayer, right? It can be. You can the, there's a land button. Ah, I like you know flashbacks to the nineties. Um, you have to so set up it, a token ring network. Uh, probably, <laughs> I don't know. It, it has the story mode. It doesn't. The story mode does not have save points or anything. You just have to like every time you dock at a station, it saves the game and, and becomes a save point. But uh, uh, it, it also has scenarios mode where it's like you know, uh, uh, rush to this one place and don't get caught. Escort a convoy. Blow up a convoy. A bunch of. I have a feeling. I haven't tried it, but I have a feeling that that's where you can do the multiplayer's. 
with a, on a LAN. So go figure. So if uh, you you and your buddy uh, go uh, get a couple of copies of the game, you can link up over your wired Ethernet network, probably. You know, cause probably you know Wi-Fi is just probably way too much for this. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you could you probably play those scenarios together. So it's cool. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. I had fun with it. But let's talk about Star Citizen while we're here. The caves are cool, man. Going places and having something to do is what you need in a space sim, and caves would be great in Elite. We don't have them. I'm really looking forward to that. That looks great. So, totally honest, when I first saw it on ATV, I'm like, really? Caves? Like, that's what we're spending our time on? But then I thought about it for a little bit, and it actually made total sense, because what's the number one profession that people will fill in on poles for Star Citizen? Mining. Exploring. Exploring. Right? So what makes exploring on planets fun? Caves. Caves. Yeah, but you can stash stuff there, too. You could land and hide there. You could have a, an encounter there, a fight there. You could have all kinds of... I mean, right. it's another set piece. It's a place to be. They're designed like rest stops, it sounds like. Yes, too. that's exactly right. And I think it's cool. I think the whole thing so is they cool. all get they all get an artist's eye. They all get procedurally generated and then get an artist's eye for, to pay it passed over. I'm just disappointed that we're three minutes into this conversation. Not one of you has mentioned the last Starfighter yet. I'm I'm kind of appalled at all. Okay, of so really. unfortunately, they haven't. They didn't talk about the caves and the asteroids, but that would be very cool as well. Yeah, I don't think that was a thing they were talking about at all. But yeah, that yeah, would it was be all cool. it was all on planets because it was all procedural plant stuff. It would be oh. very cool if they port this to asteroids. So it was only three minutes in before Tony called us out for something that didn't make sense. But that's cool. It's, it's now, I, this I love the game we're building, and our game should have caves and asteroids like in Last Starfighter. With big space where worms you can in them, like in Star exactly, Wars. Exactly, big space worms. It's big space so, worms like Star Wars, or when you you can hide in them so that this, the the Kodan Armada flies over it, and you come up behind it and blow up the communications tower. Yes. Yeah, in your space submarine. With your 6,000 little grigglings. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. That's and what I'm talking say, about. And you can save, the cave is collapsing, and they're like, this is no cave. This is no cave. That's right. All that stuff. That's all. See, I love Minox the game we're building. Everything. Yeah. 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 The caves look cool. They can put a lot of stuff, cool stuff in them. Yada, yada, yada. Et cetera, and so on. They have a new chick that's coming in 3.6. She looks, you, called, you called her sassy. She looks sassy. Yes. She's supposed to be like a criminal, and she's going to give you like criminal stuff. I like her I hair. Think. Yeah. She has sweet, like, are they their dreads? Ken from Chicago corrects me and says she's a rogue ex-guard. So she's like she's like ex, she's like a, a rogue paramilitary person that has some black opsy kind of experience, right? They gave a lot of background on her character. But so so just just by profession alone, professional alone, I think that qualifies under the term sassy, you know, regardless of HR's predicament. Well, we'll see if that gets played if out. I was if I was ex-paramilitary. You know, and I was giving out missions. I wouldn't mind if you called me sassy at all. Well, I think at that point you would probably deliver the sass because, you know, you, you've had the experience. You've been there. You've done that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I yeah. think the correct adjective for me at that point, regardless of gender, is sassy. I don't think she comes off as sassy at all. I think she comes off as uh, formidable. You know? Like formidable. Intimidating. Formidable. She's, a, she's, like, direct. Maybe that's it. Like she's like she's not taking it. She's being called sassy at all. Stern. It's, yeah, stern. That's the word. You know what I mean? She comes off as powerful. Like she knows yeah. her position. That's what I mean by yeah, formidable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I meant. In control. Sassy. Me. Sassy. The correct definition is is powerful. Yet it turns Kinshadow on. That's what sassy <laughs> means. 
do we get everything on Star Citizen? I think, yeah, or is there Banner one, Defender uh, got pushed, but me. Oh, right. This, I, we, I'm we, sorry if you were looking forward to that. We should skate by that topic because that would give me an opportunity to say mean things. We should just we should just run right by that and just uh, and just not. But look back. Tony, your adoring your adoring public wants you to say mean things. I would like to know your opinion on that. I wanted to talk about the band name just because the helmet video was cool. Only because I'm an artist and I enjoyed it. I'm sure a lot of people thought it was boring as hell, but I really enjoyed the the video of them making the helmet. Well, helmet's totally different. So the Banu Defender, though, is is a ship. It's a fighter ship from the Banu, and I called it being pushed like two weeks ago when when we we were looking at it. I'm like, like you look, look at all the stuff. Everything has progress, but the Banu Defender. It's obvious it was going to get pushed back then. But I think the helmet's very cool too. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to cosplay as a Banu and have a helmet on too. I think that's too much. But well, you know, we wouldn't want you to you know go to excess here might uh, hurt myself yeah yeah don't hurt yeah yeah don't, you don't need a shoulder strain at your age you don't need that so yeah so that's good 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 call it's on not that, like so. it's hard Conchetta. just make the prints <laughs> make the prints <laughs> I need that printer I need a bigger printer much bigger printer <laughs> yeah so uh, alright well uh, Frontier is uh, you know they made the announcement last week that they're not gonna do anything big until the last half of 2020 they're, not, they're gonna do community things and some quality of life updates and some some minor tweaks and stuff but um we're kind of on our own but lucky for us we have such a, a, a huge community out there doing stuff and we so we got another request from a frequent contributor to the show alec turner uh who is putting together the first great planetary expedition this is a uh, lunar circumnavigation via srv wow they're going to drive around a planet or a moon, actually, uh, on a on a, uh, a a ground course. So they've got a whole thing mapped out. If you go to their uh, if you go to their uh, forum post, uh, they have a little uh, 3D map that they've got going. I've put the link in the show notes there for you guys. Uh, but they've got the whole thing mapped out. It's a it's a polar course. They're going to go through a, a settlement, then around the North Pole and down to the South Pole, and uh, yeah. So that's going to be a little crazy. The, the start date here is planned for March the 27th. So uh, they're going to cover distances between four and 5,000 kilometers uh, on the uh, on there. So it'll be an endurance race uh, to end all endurance races. So uh, congratulations, Alec Turner. You are the user-generated content that we need in this dark time of no major updates until 2020. Yeah, I want to get in my SRV and race across a desolate planet. Well, they picked this planet for a reason, and the reason is that it is orbiting extremely close to an Earth-like very fast. So apparently the day-night cycles on this thing are kind of crazy. This isn't uh, a planet always... that's like seconds, is it? There's one that's really fast. Uh, no, no, it's not, it's not that one, but it's it's minutes, though, I think. Um, it's, it is, it, it, uh, it, do, it goes around uh, pretty repetitively, or you know, pretty, pretty quick, rapidly, I think is the word I'm looking for. It goes around very rapidly, and it changes from light to dark quickly, and sometimes you're on the day side uh, of the uh, uh, Earth-like, so you'll see it. And sometimes you're on the night side, so basically you see that kind of halo from the atmosphere with the Terminator uh, and the sun kind of peeking over it. So you, you get a bunch of different views in rapid succession. So that's uh, so Jeff's point's probably a good one because if it's just you're driving across some dirt, it's not so great. But if you're driving across some dirt and all of a sudden you can't see anymore... Uh, because the planet, uh, because the sun just got eclipsed, and you got to turn on your night vision, that kind of stuff, it uh, makes it more challenges. So, uh, looks like it's it should be a lot of fun if driving SRVs is your thing. Uh, head on over to the Frontier forums and search for Alec Turner, 
Uh, we'll put a link in our show notes for the first Great Planetary Expedition. So good luck to those guys. Say again how long it was going to take to circumnavigate? Uh, I don't think they had... Did they have an ETA? Uh, they just had a start date. Seems like it would take a while. Yeah. No, it's going to take a long while. I didn't see an, I didn't see an estimate in here. You know what would be great in the future is if we if we had the technology that we could have self-driving SRVs. <laughs> yeah, point me to the nearest mineral deposit. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. And then if it could shoot if it could shoot the minerals itself too, that'd be awesome as well. No, uh, I mean I'm you know we're developing self-driving vehicles now, and it's like. Why can't we? Do, I mean, why don't we have this in our SRV already? It's like because gameplay would suffer if you want to play like that. It's more like playing like a real-time simulator game where you're like, go here, unit, and then wait for it. Also, they haven't painted any stripes on the planets yet, so it doesn't know what lane it's in. Mm. Yeah, so right. I mean, that, that's 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 a that's a serious drawback. They'll need to they'll need to get on that right away. That's probably in the planetary updates, ice planets and lane stripes. Uh, After a while, it, it it comes on screen and says, need additional pylons. Need additional pylons. The thing with automated uh, SRVs, honestly, in space, we'd probably have automated everything. I wouldn't expect in the future we'll be driving much of anything ourselves. I just watched the Dragon crew capsule disembark from the uh, International Space Station, and they were talking about when they they docked it, it's actually hands-off for the last several meters. The computers have to do it. The astronauts aren't allowed to touch it. So it's like there's going to be so much automation. Pilots are really going to be secondary, I'm sure. We don't want to play that way. I mean, you don't want every no. space game you play to be like a submarine simulator, do you, Tony? No, hell no, hell no. no, no, no. I mean, I mean, if I wanted to do that, uh, I would get a lot more laundry done. Yeah. If I wanted to play only that kind of game, yeah. But uh, well, that bring, that brings up an entirely different topic that we should discuss at some time because uh, I believe <clears throat> I believe that we shouldn't that I, I like the idea of self driving cars and stuff, but I also believe that people should be still be trained in how to drive a vehicle. And that there should always be a manual override. For what purpose? For what purpose? Yeah. Oh, gee, the computer breaks down, and you're stuck in the middle of what? Yeah. Don't you think redundancy is probably more important than teaching a generation of people how to drive a car they may never have to, when you could have another half-a-cent computer that could take over in the case one fails, and everything runs on low power anyway? I mean, the future will be better, so we won't have to worry about... That kind of problem, I think. I mean, technology just gets better and better. You honestly believe that? I think technology always gets better. I don't know. I think it's funny that a guy who makes his living in tech, like Jeff does, would be resistant to that kind of progress. I mean, I'm not not resistant to that kind of progress, but because I'm in that industry, I know exactly the foibles of, of relying completely on a computer system. Oh, I remember the conversation. We did have this conversation before, but it was on self-driving flying cars. Oh. And I think, I think my oh, argument is to- probably totally still the same. Totally different. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think, the, I think the, the, long dis- the long distance point is that, I, I, you know, Jeff, you're, you're completely right in like, you know, in, in, in the short to immediate term, you know, there's no way for us to be completely reliant. But, you know, you talk about our children's children. At that point, it's uh, at least most people forecast you don't even own a car, right? Everything is like an Uber and you just walk out and say, here I'm going. And an automated car drives up, picks you up and takes you there. There's no reason to ever own a car at that point. Or to have to drive that car that doesn't belong to you. Exactly. It'd be better if it breaks down and another one arrives automatically. Exactly. There's no, it it should have a safety, an artificial intelligence that is 
able to withstand breaking down and being able to pull over and then having another car pick you up. So at that point, there's no reason to ever have it. It would be still a novelty to know this, and probably people will still. I don't know. I learn. still see. I still see a future of a, of a Star Trek universe instead of a, uh, what's that one? Um, uh, the three seashells one. Um, well, uh, that's the, the Star Trek universe. You know, they the people are able to. Let's say which which Star Trek we're we talking about. Well, just Star <laughs> Trek in general. Because, uh, I mean, they're all pilots. Well, most of them. I mean, they go through, uh, you know, even from Discovery to uh, Nemesis, we're still... Okay, I've I've thought about this actually quite a bit because I've I've been watching a lot of reruns of Star Trek. But you notice in in shuttles and in even ground vehicles and pretty much everything in Star Trek, there's no such thing as a steering wheel. I beg to differ in that movie with uh, with the ground vehicle Argo, there was a steering wheel in it. In the vast majority uh, of the TV series, <laughs> there is there is no steering wheel or, or steering column of any kind. Spock and, had a trackball in Star Trek V. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But but my, my, my point is, I, I think in most of the piloting they would show, if you were using Star Trek as a reference, is giving the computer a general instruction about where you want to go, not giving you the, the minute like micro movements, because those are too hard to compute for the human brain, especially in most of those cases. So it's a lot easier for you to say, make an evasive maneuver B, which is how they talk, you know? They say, make an evasive maneuver Omega, you know, and things like that. I think you're right, and that's kind of how we fly now. Look at fly-by-wire in modern aviation. People are not handling the aircraft by responding to the forces on the control surfaces. They're handling the aircraft by saying, I want to roll left, and the aircraft is taking the computation or doing the computation to do all those rolls and maneuvers safely and within the limits of the aircraft. You're not flying like by moving your control surfaces by pulling a, a lever and it's moving a, a piece in the back. You're actually flying through a computer that's that's recalculating all that stuff. You know, it, that's the way it's going to be, and it's going to continue to get that way. But I think the thing that's missing from that whole equation when we say a person has to be involved is that AI will become that that component that we don't need the the human to interact with it at all. We would be directing things, but something would be able to compensate for, you know, whatever problems, even a computer failure. It's another computer that is going to handle that. I'm going to ruin this entire conversation. How so? You know why? Because I'll tell you exactly when the changeover will happen. It's when a company's insurance company decides that they'll insure the AI driving. That's when sure. the, that's when the changeover will happen. That makes sense. So yeah, so it, it, it's not about whether the technology is good or, uh, or like like Jeff saying we need to be able to take over in case of a computer failure. It's when does the insurance industry say it's safer to have the AI drive and we will pay for any screw ups the AI makes. That's that's at that point. That's when it happens, and that has to happen in the next ten years. I mean, there's too many automated trucks, automated cars that are coming off the lines right now. There's more that has to happen too. After the insurance companies have done that, people who are resistant to change have to also say, "Well, I feel comfortable sitting in it when there's not a way for me to hit the brake." Hmm. That, that's a generational have to thing, too, and that's going to be slow. Because there's going to be a whole That's generation good. of people that'll have to die first, or they'll just double your insurance rates. Even doubling insurance <laughs> rates isn't going to help somebody who is set in their ways and doesn't want to try something new or doesn't feel safe um, to get into that car and use it. So there won't be, it, it won't be able to take over the the market. Or the killbots get them. Oh, the killbots. Yes, the killbots could get you. They, the they just they the insurance company decide you're too expensive. We'll just send the killbots mm. after you. It's yeah, much no, easier to pay off, off the, the life right. insurance than just that. Yes, I don't exactly. Know. The, fir- the first time, the first time couple generations from now a school bus of children 
die in some desolate place because nobody knew how to, to, to you know, drive the bus, it's all going to be pretty moot anyway. So In a world like that, how many desolate places do you believe there will be where you won't be, out of, you'll be out of contact just... and people won't be able to get to you fast? You'll have fast automated vehicles to come and get you. The, mut- the mutants will be confined to areas 50 kilometers and greater outside the central cities. That's where the radioactive blast zones will be. So <laughs> we won't be sending cars out there anyway. And, of course, the ion storms will take care oh, of most of the rest of it. So yay. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. All right, now that we're all caught up on space sim news, let's get caught up on space news with Galactic Public Radio. Good evening from Galactic Public Radio on NC Times Spencer McDunn, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. Thargoid activity is increasing in human-occupied space. For the latest, we go to Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Spencer. A dense cluster of Thargoid attacks in the bubble is causing concern among defense analysts and security officials. The Eagle Eye Network, previously highly reliable in its predictions of Thargoid activity, failed to properly alert independent pilots to recent Thargoid assaults. To add to the confusion, a software upgrade provided by Universal Cartographics has not been warning pilots of scout infestations. One Pilots' Federation source, speaking on condition of anonymity, told GPR that UC software was not interfacing properly with the Pilots' Federation-approved Spaceship Holographic Overlay Experience, or FASO, system. The combination of both failures was all the opening the Thargoids needed. With station losses in nearly a dozen systems, security officials are calling for whatever support they can scrape together from the Aegis Group and independent pilots. Relief officials are bracing for another wave of refugees from the affected systems. Both military and civilian resources are stretched to the limit, and with a number of independent pilots outside the bubble on the Distant Worlds expedition, those stretched resources won't be getting any slack. Prospects for the near term are mixed at best. While the eagle eye appears to be seeing straight at the moment, the cockpit galaxy map is still cocked up. From the Diogondri system for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Smooth. The Federal Intelligence Agency is repeating its warning and calling for any information leading to the arrest of cult leader Barnabas Cole to aid the public in determining if they have encountered any member of the Children of Tothos. Federal agents have revealed that cult members worship, quote, a demonic being that exists in the spaces between stars, end quote. The Federal Times is reporting that the Lucifer device is undetectable by standard security scans, making virtually any station or port vulnerable, while the local security forces concentrating their scrutiny on any ship or traveler from the Zolota system, the sheer number of unregistered passengers and refugees from Thargoid attacks makes it impossible to ensure everyone is accounted for. The Times is also reporting that Barnabas Cole, Quote, claims that only he, aided by selected adherents, can summon Tothos an enormous ceremonial sacrifice, end quote. Finally, GPR can confirm its reporting from two weeks ago that Lady Talitha Ambrose ran off with a 300 billion credit fortune belonging to the Ambrose Foundation. The cause? A crippling gambling addiction. 
Baroness Oksana Ambrose had hired the Walglass Investigations Agency, who had now reported that Lady Tilditha had been a member of the notorious gambling ring known as the Joker's Deck. During a game of high-stakes deadlock poker, she bet the entire family fortune on one hand. The report stated, quote, Some attendees believe that the game was rigged by one or more of the other players who aimed to exploit Lady Talitha's well-known gambling addiction, end quote. Wallglass was not able to trace Miss Ambrose's current location and has not been able to identify any other members of the Joker's deck. Baroness Ambrose had revoked Talitha's title. Until the next turn of the world, for Galactic Public Radio, I am Spencer McDunn. Good night. and light the fires, Big Daddy. So she looks over at uh, Theodore and says, you've had experience with uh, deployments on Corvettes? I have. And she says, would you care to, have you ever been, uh, have you ever had to do uh, evacuations or um, deep space walks from a Corvette? In some of my missions, we've dealt with uh, open space and vacuums before. Right. So, you're then. This is one reason that if this just so happens to be a legitimate contract, you'll be perfectly suited. And she said, and if it turns out to not be a legitimate contract, and she sort of waves at your uh, strapped up weapons and stuff, you'll also be well suited. Uh, <laughs> I uh, kind of tap the um, as my hands are resting on the submachine gun on my chest. I kind of tap it and say. I'll be ready for anything. She says, "Well, that'll be that's very comforting." And so she she brings up uh, uh, the system, the the Corvette, and kind of zooms in again. She says, a, "A unique feature of this Corvette, which is not often employed, is that it is a very low radiative uh, uh, vessel." She says, "We will be able to, at once, out of supercruise, move relatively undetected in the orbital space uh, around the planet." We concerned about that new night vision upgrade that uh, Pilots Federation has distributed. Affecting the stealth ability. They, someone has to have a reason to turn it on first. Good and if point. we stay on the day side of the planet, they won't have a reason to. And she says, and then we just have to make sure that we stay above the people that uh, we want to be hidden from, uh, so that we are uh, we don't stand out as a big black triangle. Yeah, makes sense. So she said, we should be able to we should be able to approach unobserved. Uh, we should be able to stay in orbit uh, unobserved for whatever length of time we so choose. Uh, my intention is to not accept the contract or acknowledge the communication until we are in orbit. And once we are in orbit, um, observe, scout, attempt to, if possible, make clandestine contact with the planet's surface and Colonel Mandon and, uh, and try to see what the situation actually is. Are we aware of any other uh, establishments on the surface of the planet already? Farms. It's an agricultural world, and over the entire planet, there's only 350,000 people. Do we have any it's, other contacts already on the planet? No, no. This is truly, truly a backwards place. It's it's strange. It is in the relatively populated portion of the bubble, 
but this system itself, the, the, the planet is, there's nothing wrong with the planet. It's a very pleasant place. The atmosphere is a little heavy, but the gravity is almost Earth, uh, Earth 1G. Um, it's an oxygen-nitrogen atmosphere. It's uh, relatively warm. And she goes, it, it, it's just been overlooked. Well, let's go look at it. She says, well, if we're going to go do this, uh, you better look the part. And so I'll send you across to Clev. And uh, he's been instructed to, and she kind of looks up and says, be a little more generous with our armory. Excellent. Ken Shadow's getting a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Papa's getting a big new boom. <laughs> so Adira uh, sort of like, you know, sort of like lets you walk out because she's going to hang out here with Val. She doesn't need to go visit Clev because she got a bag full of shotguns. She don't need no extra help. <laughs> she's dual wield shotguns. Yeah, she's, she's, she's totally matrixing this thing. She's going to pull two shotguns out from under her cloak, pull two from behind her back once those are empty. Yeah, the whole thing. All right, so you head across the hall. Uh, you hit actually now. Clev's not across the hall anymore. He's down in the basement. Uh, but but again, helpful little lights go along the wall and show you all. And now now it's the three of you together. You can all hold hands. Um, and uh, you head down to the basement into the armory. And I'm the uh, scarecrow. <laughs> so Clev's there behind his counter, his usual place, and goes, "Hey." The old team's back together, except this guy who's not on the old team. Hey! That's up, Clev. I give him a fist bump. Hey, yeah, Clev, this is new guy. New guy, this is Clev. Because it's a kind of nod to Clev. You are a, this guy. He does not need me. Look at him. He comes in here. Oh, look at me. I have big guns. I get through customs, apparently. Oh, sh- it was Sean. You saw Sean. <laughs> God, that guy. He's always down here trying to force Slurpees on me. Have you had those? They are <laughs> nasty. They are terrible. Do not take Slurpee from this man. He has no idea how terrible they taste. Ugh. So he goes, but the, hey, new, new, I am Clev, new guy. Who are you? Uh, Theodore. Theodore, very nice to meet you. I like your gun. Very, very good. Thank you. I like it too. These guys, I first met them. They have nothing. They, like, they, they walk around like babies. I don't have gun. No gun for me. <laughs> Not me. He's known okay, me longer. Okay, ears back. Are you gonna wander in? I, yeah. I had you just sort of stay behind in, in Valis's office because you know you got a sack of shotguns. You didn't yep. know. You didn't got all there. four of them like mounted behind her, right? <laughs> four <laughs> shots. All right. So Adira, Adira sort of walks in after these things and says, "I had guns." And you know, like, yeah, you had guns, but Valis was your friend. Valis told these guys to walk in like babies. I give them crap because I knew they were told not to bring gun first time. So I make fun of them. Eh? But, ah. uh, okay, so everyone good friends here now. Theodore likes style. Adira, she has a big sack of guns now. You two, how are you? Are you guys, a, would, do you need something from the, sta- from the store? Need something from the store? I would like store? a great big weapon of some kind. Yeah, he looks over at Kinshaw and he kind of goes, I, I got a, I got a new gun, and I was kind of asking your opinion on it. And I, I pull out my, my SMG. Okay, like, your brand you new SMG. Of, what, do you, what do you think of this thing? He goes, You'll need strap like this guy. You walk around this on chest. People no mess with you. Yeah, let's get. You got like a. This, you got something I can like. like have more pockets, you know, because it looks like things like it's gonna chew up ammo too. Yeah, yeah, it's true. These things do go with this. So you sort of like you wait here, and kind of go. He goes. You know, he's a much fancier armory now. The one on the the one on the cutter was nice, but it's kind of cramped because it's on a ship. This one's like all James Bond Q type stuff, right? S- gleaming silver things and all kind of stuff. He kind of walks over to a cabinet, pulls open a drawer, and he. 
gives you the military fatigue that so you were talking about. Excellent. Says, I think you'll find the carrier's lots of places for bullets, mm -hmm. uh, pockets for things you find accidentally on floor. <laughs> it kind of gives you the wink. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Things you find accidentally on floor. People sometimes they drop things pocket. when they get shot. It's got a, it's got an extra bottle for just the Windex. Pocket <laughs> <laughs> for the bottle of Windex. I, I think I over I think I over talked to you, Henry. What'd you say? I was gonna say, does it have a Crisco pocket? But then he pulled out the Windex. Okay, yeah, no Crisco pocket, but Windex pocket. Yes, it does. Um, okay, so uh, you can you, you can have your military fatigues. And he goes, uh, "You set four bullets. You need more bullets. I have many bullets. You want some?" Yeah, yeah, I get some get some clips. That'd be great. He, um, he shows he shows like eight at you. Here you go. Do you have like uh, I don't know like a, a grenade launcher that would work for this SMG? He go, he kinda, We're going to train people how to rescue people. He wants a grenade launcher. Grenade launcher, huh? Now, actually, now add a character here just for a second and then pull pull back. Didn't somebody get one of those? Not me. I don't have one. Hang on. Out of out of character, my submachine gun has a grenade okay, launcher. Okay, yeah. On the okay, that's what I thought. That's right. That's what that's what I thought. Because you because we rolled for that, didn't we? Correct. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so he kind of he kinda, he looks over. He goes over at this guy. He goes, maybe you want to trade with that guy. Let's see <laughs> if, if, he, if he points over there and says, see, you see how nice that is? You know, maybe make a deal with that fellow. I mean, I'm, I don't think he's uh, going to trade with me. <laughs> eh, he, you know, he's it, I kind of silently chuckle as he points yeah, over. It does look super good on him, right? It's the first thing I pointed out when he walked in the door. I knew he was a cool guy because he has that. So, I mean, yeah, he, he looks not, like a not. cool guy, right? He's like all ex-military and stuff like that. I mean, I, mostly I saw gun. I mean, maybe he's asshole. He kind of looks over at, uh, at uh, Theodore and he goes. Like like questioning I like just, I just kind of shrug. See, could be we don't know. I think that's uh, a yes. I think that's a yes. But but gun makes him look like cool guy. So we start from that, and then we go, and then we see from there. We don't know. Okay, uh, so he kind of looks around, but uh, okay, grenade launcher. I, I, I you have you can have grenades. So let me see what I have in the back. Uh, he he got, uh, so um, let me see. We'll look on the weapon chart, and we'll see what he has in the in the old locker. I might have you. I might make you roll for something here. Uh, okay, under slung grenade launcher. That's what Theodore has, and well, that's not what we're looking for. We are looking. Do, do, do. So I guess we can. He, he looks at you and kind of goes, "Okay, uh, have uh, have attachments. Have attachment here." And he said he asks you to hand over your machine gun. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes. Okay, so on custom jobs like these, um, it will throw off balance and be very screwed up. I can give you a regular submachine gun and attach a grenade launcher to it, but if I try to put it on here, it's gonna it, anything good will not be good anymore. Right. The balance is all wrong. It all will right. mess you no up. worries. I'll just keep what I got. Maybe you find one. Maybe you buy. Maybe someone drop it and you can put it in your pocket. That there maybe maybe it'll find in a janitor's closet. Right? It is also possible. There's nice. these many things hidden in janitor's closets. You have to look under the floor wax. Exactly. Sometimes have secret compartment. You have to pull out floor wax and there's stuff underneath. I've seen this. Keep an eye. I keep. Or I keep an eye out for that. Good job. You you do this. Okay. So, uh, but he does hand you um, uh, four grenades, just plain grenades. Okay. And you, and you can just you, you just have those, and then he looks over at Ale and goes, so. Let's see. You're not the gun guy, I don't think, no? No, I spent the last three years pretty much sightseeing, so I'm not really the weapons type. 
but I do need an appropriate weapon for this mission. So I'm thinking like a laser weapon appropriate for my level. I'm not sure what. Uh, he looks you. You know, you know, yeah, he will look kind of nerdy. You like a laser gun, yeah? Oh yeah, yeah big okay. time. Um, go ahead and roll a one d one hundred for me there. Ninety eight. Oof. Ninety eight. Okay, that's. Yeah, that means I'm buying my laser weapon from a collector, and it'll yeah, cost yeah, me ninety-eight. Charge you ninety-eight, <laughs> <laughs> charge you 98 times the, the sticker price for it, because <laughs> this guy's got sucker written all over him. Yeah. Uh, hang on a second here. Let me. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see what we have here. Yes. Okay. Some good candidates there. Then, uh, sorry, sorry. Gonna, I got. I'm gonna make bad radio here for just a second while I sort this out. Well, actually, while you sort that out, why don't we just chat a little bit amongst ourselves while Clev's yeah, looking while Clev's up looking. Uh, while Clev's looking. equipment for me. Good to see you guys again, and nice to meet the new guy. What you, what you been doing, Al? I have been kind of flying all over the place. Oh, yeah? Checking stuff out. Yeah. Flying around, exploring, looking at some stuff, sold some uh, uh, exploration data. Not doing bad. Oh, did you get anything named after you? No. If my name's on nothing. I'm the first there, never. <laughs> but I get some good pictures. <laughs> That's cool, man. Got to have a slideshow later, eh? Get a, li- <laughs> get a little toasty. Look at your, like, uh, voluptuous planets that you're pulling out. <laughs> I'm sure it sounds boring, but nah, it's a lot of fun for me. Nah, we all like those space rings and shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what have you been doing? Nah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know. Splattering people all over it's the place. A little bit of that, yeah. <laughs> the odd job great. here, you know, odd job there. Uh, ran down some some baddies for the goodies, you know. Ran down some not so baddies for the not so goodies. It's all the same, really. At the end of the day, you know, just made a couple of credits. What about you, Adira? Well, I found some really cool hairspray. And these neat shotguns. That's pretty spiffy. I don't need all of them. You guys want one? Uh, maybe. I'm not really. I'm kind of a not really a kinetic weapons guy. I'm kind of a laser dude. But uh, I'd like to try one, one out. I'm not sure how I'm gonna hold it, but uh, I'd like to try it out for a little bit. Sure. I uh, kind of hold up one of my hands and say, "Not for me," but I appreciate the offer. All right. Sell them to Clev and make some money, man. Trade them for <laughs> one of these fancy laser guns I'm getting. I'm sure he's not gonna pull out crap for me, right? Ah, uh, Clev already got six of them. Nice. All right. So uh, you guys are kind of, kind of catch, catching up and going small talk, and so Clev brings out a, a a case. You know, it's like you know, it's like it looks like you know, the, like a trumpet case, right? You know, it's a musical instrument case. He goes, "Okay, I think I have something very nice for you." He pops it open, turns it around. Uh, this is a Copernicus incinerator. With your roll of ninety-eight, you you, you did very well. That um, sounds awesome. Yep. It's a uh, if you if you got if you can click on your. Um, you're part of your sheet. I'll give you the stats for it. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where exactly it goes. I'm just going to write it all down in... Uh, do you have okay. your, it you says your... I have a submachine gun, a laser rifle, and a laser pistol already. Well, and that uh, fills he, up all of my weapon boxes. Uh, so he, whatever your laser rifle is, just give that back to Clev. Okay. Yeah. Here's a laser rifle, yeah, Clev. So I don't it, need it anymore. Uh, so it's... Um, he, he says... Did this... Uh, he, uh, he says, I, I remember what you had last time. Bring me in the other one. Trade in. This one... Yes. Well, this one much better. It's the Copernicus right. Incinerator. It, uh, it's a 20-meter short range, difficulty Wait, five. 20-meter short range. The first box I have says two hit. Uh, that's that, Can I that, fill them in in order? Well, two hit, uh, no, two hit is your, um, uh, two hit is your, uh, your, dam- your uh, 
proficiency, so it's your energy weapons score. Alright, so keep that there, that says two, and then short. Short Short is uh, 20 meters, so just a 20 in the first one. And then the next one is uh, the difficulty, which is five. Five, okay. Alright, and then it's uh, 150. 150 for medium. Uh And six. Got it. And 500. Got it. And nine. Nine. Got it. And then damage. So that's a good weapon? Got that 15? Uh, uh, No. uh, The damage is special because usually usually laser weapons are fixed. But, Mm -hmm. uh, and laser weapons are usually fixed at 15. This one does 20. Cool. 20 damage on this one. What about ammunition? Infinite because it's a laser rifle. Beautiful. All right. I just charge it with my iPhone charger or... Take a little it's USB, teensy, teensy little fusion reactor, dilly whopper battery, something or other in the stock, and it just regenerates. I thought I had a dilly whopper. I could tell looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it's 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 got a Mark Seven dilly whopper in it. So nice. Yeah, you know, you're doing you're doing pretty good there. Um, nice. So all right, uh, he looks over. See, you do you do pretty good at this. I think you know. Step back. Let people who are like um, better at taking hits. You stay, you stay back. Pick people off from the background. And he looks over to Deer and says, How you doing? You doing okay? Need anything from store? Well, you, you got any other one-handed laser pistol or something like that? Roll a D100. 27. 27. Well, not quite as good. Hairspray. Hey, you make small talk. I'll be right back. Uh, let's see what I have. He's going to give you hairspray and a lighter. <laughs> and then you'll have, <laughs> you'll have a hairspray you know. incinerator. That's actually not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I could do some damage with that. I say, uh, I say, hey, hey, Dara, you should get some fatigues like these cool threads uh, Clev got me here. Maybe get some. Uh... Yeah, it was. I was checking those out. That looks yeah, nice. I got these extra pockets. I feel so roomy. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, yeah. I so wish I had a liquid dress right now. It's like the, <laughs> it's like the cargo <laughs> pants of space. Cleve uh, uh, comes back and he says, I'm a little tapped on nice laser gun for now, but I do have this. And he slides across a Hyperion laser pistol. Okay. And Hyperion is, uh, uh, the basic stats are the same, 10 meters short range with a 4, 80 meters, 7 range, uh, uh, or uh, 7 difficulty, uh, medium, 120 meters, and 11 for long. Uh, 8 damage like usual, but you do get a plus 5 to your energy weapon score. So... To my score? To the score, not the bonus, the score. Okay. So you, you, that, that may or may not trip you up to the next level. Um, not but, quite. Yeah, but it is, it is a plus five Are there when, you have that, when you're using that weapon. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, one quick- uh, you got any more of those duds you gave Ale? Uh, not Ale. You're not Ale. <laughs> Ken What's <Shadow>. your name? <laughs> is that your name in the... I'm Commander, Commander Ken Shadow. My character's name is Roland Morgan. Okay. You got any more of those duds you gave Roland? Uh, yeah, he's got a drawer full of them. He goes back and chucks you the fatigues. I got lots more. Anybody right. want more? Like pockets. Do you have any liquid dresses? Really Do you have any liquid dresses with pockets or without? He looks at you and goes, "Those are expensive." Oh man! But it's not a weird question in this day and age because I'll bet it is expensive. Yeah, is it, it, that's it. Those, these are exp- no, those are that's too much. I mean, I, they are. I'll cool. take some fatigues then. That's okay. Cool. I mean, those liquid, they are cool. I, no, no kidding. And he said, and he looks down. He sort of looks at your cybernetics. He goes, I just don't have the figure for it. <laughs> I only wish, but I don't have the figure for it. Yeah, the, the pockets in a liquid dress don't work like you think they would work. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we Storage had, uh, is uh, a problem. 
I, I think we do have to like take a minute and go out of character and and, and ask the only woman in the room. It isn't pockets on women's clothing like a thing, like uh, how it does. Like how it's not a thing. An almost non-existent yeah. thing. The fact that that they're it's not a thing is the thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's very annoying. So, r- ruling from the GM is that there are in fact no pockets on a Kubeo liquid liquid dress. <laughs> and if you found one, and if they were, it's not supposed to be there. You probably couldn't get your hand yeah. into it. You know what, Tony? <laughs> I'm going to stop you there because we're talking about a thousand years in the future. And if we haven't solved the problem of giving ladies the pockets they deserve in a thousand right. years. <laughs> Then our civilization doesn't deserve to be a thousand Henry, years Henry, old. Henry, it's a dress in a bottle. Preach it. It's a dress in a bottle, Henry. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. It has to be surgically removed afterwards. It has to be surgically removed. There, there is, there's no place for a pocket. There's, there's just not. It's you lack vision, sir. <laughs> what do you do at the end of the night? You're like, hey, baby, you got that knife? I mean, like, like what? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what's the process yeah, think, there, really? See, I, this is this is what happens when your world building doesn't like you know follow uh, follow out the second and third order consequences, right? So it's like you know, it's like how did the people on the Enterprise go to the bathroom? You just don't know. It's not ever covered. Uh, so we're gonna have to leave the the pocket discussion and how do you how you get out of the dress at the end of the night for for another time? Because Clev has you guys all uh, geared up make your appropriate adjustments to your uh, inventory sheets. And uh, he says, best of luck to you. Please don't get dead. I like you guys. Have a nice day. Bye, Clev. All right. So you head back, uh, head back upstairs to uh, Valis's office, the little lights, all four of you on the little lights now. Showing you the way back out to Valis's office. They're so cute. And I just go, oh, I thought I was special. (laughs) The the, security security's pretty tight here. You know, they do run the plant or they do run the space station now. So, you know, know, some some formalities are observed now. Um, All right. So you make it back to Valsa's office and she goes, uh, uh, I trust your visit to Mr. Klavinsky was uh, fruitful. Hey, I got pockets. And she she nods approvingly and says, dude is out of latex dresses. (laughs) <laughs> I just nod. My my pocket pockets are bulging with grenades. <laughs> <laughs> and she, uh, Valis noticed, and and, and she kind of she, she she nods approvingly and goes, uh, "This one may be substantially more dangerous uh, than the last time, because he's carrying all those grenades. <laughs> the danger will precede us, I am sure. We simply <laughs> need to be prepared for its presentation." And she says, uh, I uh, have scheduled the witty rejoinder for departure uh, in the morning. Uh, go get a good night's sleep. We'll depart at 0700 hours, pad 32. I'll see you all then. I nod and give a little wave as I walk out like a like a half salute. Actually, so you're all heading out the door. And, and Valis will say, uh, she'll say, Mr. Rexford, a moment, please. I stop and pivot and go back in. She waits for the door to close behind everybody else. And she says, I'm taking a chance on you. Mr. Rexford, none of my usual confirmation methods worked for you. I'm happy to hear that. You shouldn't be. There aren't so there aren't very many people who would vouch for you. No one said a bad thing about you either. Most people were quiet and noncommittal when I asked after you. Why was that? It's not a whole lot of people that know me well enough. She says, one thing I've discovered about living amongst people in the army is that everyone has an opinion about everything. Usually they talk to me about it, but they didn't talk to me about you. Why'd you leave? Disagreements. And she raised her eyebrows. With whom? Some of uh, some of the people above me didn't 
like doing things the way that I did. She looks like she kind of raised her eyebrows and says, well, there's a certain leeway discretion in the private sector that's not afforded those in military organizations. Also, I'm assuming a bit more uh, respect. She goes, that remains to be seen. I look forward to proving it. Very well. Thank you, Mr. Rexford. I'll see you in the morning. Give a not full, but a little bit larger or a little bit more uh, overt than before salute uh, before I turn and walk out. Okay, buddy. What's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! Some say he developed an app to hire criminals to rob skyscrapers, and that his startup is called Gruber. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. That's that's a good one. Oh, uh, yeah, if you say so. I don't get it. I mean, I get the I Gruber. Yeah. Hans, Hans I don't Gruber. get it either, but... Uh, Hans Gruber? yippee ki yeah. Oh, okay. No, I get it. I just, get, get I'm looking for the... Like, the, the thing that's missing from some jokes is the humorous component. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funnier when you explain them. You can't explain this. I just explained it. The thing about it is that it's a joke without a humorous component. That's the explanation. I did not edit it. It's I like, didn't edit it's it. like Uber, but it's Gruber. Oh, I get it that he's like making an Uber thing now. It's still not funny, though. <laughs> I mean, I love the guy, I do, and sometimes he's spot on. It's just not this week. All right, now we thoroughly dissected that. Go ahead, Jeff. Thank you. A recap of last week's community questions. Give us your best cards against kin shadow ideas and what games do you plan on playing between now and the end of the trump administration when we get squadron 42 and the next elite expansion sean newboy writes in fun show everyone community question two star trek online as for the spouses versus spending infomercial i am still getting gruff for a 400 3d printed stow ship even after asking i'm sorry man that is sad what you even asked, and she's still giving you stuff, still giving you crap. That's not fair. That's not that fair at all. That's completely unfair. Ouch. I think I think you should I think you should uh, uh, protest to her, which I'm sure would do a lot of good. You should have spent eight hundred bucks and bought her one too, and then she would appreciate it. And then there wouldn't that, be any fighting. That that is ha, you you joke, but isn't that how it always works? You spend or do something like you know without permission or whatever and then they spend exactly that much or more like in revenge no. and now you're out double what you originally spent no, that sounds terrible no that's how that works though i occasionally get guff because i bought lifetime passes for star trek online and i don't play it well well yeah probably deserve <laughs> that too yeah i don't get any yeah, guff you do. my wife's really easy going very cool well yeah jealous <laughs> h allen writes in and says i love joining in on the feedback fun when I remember to do so, I can wait as long as necessary for Squadron 42 because I'll need to build a new rig once it's released. All that cutting edge mocap won't play on my 486, even with the uh, built-in math coprocessor. JK. Fancy. Yep, I'll be needing a new i9 from Intel or a K9 from Gallifrey or whatever it takes to make space and time from the galaxy far away again. Great, oh sorry. To make the galaxy great again, my bad. Okay. I, I went, I went like a Star Trek joke. Right, you went like Star Wars. Star honestly. Wars joke, and it was really a kind of a Trump joke. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. From from when all... we started dating to the present day, twenty three years later, my wife's and personal finances have always been our own. So spending stupid amounts of cash on anything was none of her business. Her only stipulation was that my million dollar life insurance premiums were automatic. EFT. 
We know that finances were one of the major issues contributing to the divorce, which is why we kept them separate. After 23 years, divorce has never come up. Now murder is the isn't another thing altogether. <laughs> Good radio, guys. Kudos to the audio staff. So, so what's really funny is that that is pretty much my household situation too. My, my. <laughs> My wife's and my uh, finances are separate, except that I pay the half million dollar life insurance policy, and 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 anytime there's an argument, it's going. I can't wait till you die. <laughs> <laughs> so so the question is, are, are is everyone sure everyone knows who the beneficiary of the life insurance policy is? Oh yeah. I oh, think yeah. I think that could my, be a major oversight no, in someone's no, plans. No, my wife keeps track of the paperwork. Very, very. Oh, strict. okay, okay, all right. In yeah. fact, it's, right, in, it's in her lockbox, which I have no access to. <laughs> you can call customer service anytime, and they'll send you a new form. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, yeah. Not that I'd recommend that mm. uh, for, for marital bliss purposes mm. and also anti-murder purposes. Uh, uh, we here at the Guard Frequency Show are extremely anti-murder. Are we? That uh, was not on the interview yeah, questions. I, at all. Like, that was never something we discussed. We can talk about it off air. Go ahead. Turkish German writes in and says, Number one, a big black Carrick. Number two, games I'll be playing until Trump begins his second term. Anthem, Cyberpunk, Piranhas, MechWarrior 5, Mercenaries. P.S. There is maybe a small bit of troll in number two. Yeah, just a, there's a little bit of troll there. There's there's some troll. I think that has to do with the, the timing-wise of it is what that is. Uh, Crosey writes in and says, I love the Nugget segment about supporting the BGS. It brought a tear to my eye. Salute face. Star Citizen, big ships should absolutely be slower and less maneuverable than fighters. I agree that on an average, two to three skilled fighters should be a rough 50-50 match a bigger ship of the same or similar class. I wish Elite was more balanced in that regard so I could fly smaller ships more regularly and I hope Star Citizen doesn't lose this feel. Elite. I do think it was missed by many where Frontier stated we'll be getting updates and improvements to the game during 2019, so not everything is being pushed back to 2020. I don't really blame Frontier for not providing more details on the next era features with how the community reached and still reacts to the lay of things like carriers from beyond. Hot take, we, the community as a whole, need to chill out and give more trust and or benefit of the doubt before Frontier just decides that sharing any info with us just isn't worth it. We complain when updates are frequent but buggy, and we complain when they're slower but sizable. If we keep complaining unilaterally, we have to own our responsibility for the consequences. And then there's the, where's Waldo in ASCII? Underneath all that. I think we're going to call that shruggy face. Shruggy face, okay. Yeah, that, that's shruggy face. But you're not wrong. I mean, you're, you're correct. We, we maybe mentioned it in passing that there will be small quality of life updates and dribs and drabs. But, you know, uh, you got to provide new experiences or people will just sort of wander away. Everybody complaining about everything is welcome to the Internet. So well, I think Welcome to our show. Yeah, that's true. We know that it's going to be hard, but it it does not help our expectations if they're not going to tell us what our expectations should be, right? I mean, they, they're going to take a long time for this update. My expectations are now a little stratospheric, 
like I expect them to be giving us a very substantial update to that, you know, quote, really will change the game in a new era. I mean, I just got the VR headset, and if we don't get space legs, I will now be very sad. Because walking around in VR in Elite, even now, is pretty awesome. And if uh, and I really, really, really need to uh, uh, expand that experience, uh, especially in the VR environment, because that's awesome. Weirdshow writes, Thanks for the show. I'm intrigued by the new RPG plot. Very mysterious. Regarding the community question, if the end of the Trump era will bring about the release of Squadron 42 and voting him a second term will result in more delays, I think the choice is pretty clear. In the meantime, I'll keep playing Elite and very occasionally the Star Citizen Alpha. I feel like we should clarify now that we've had this this feedback the second time. We, I wasn't try, tying the Trump administration directly to anything. I'm just like saying that's about the time frame. I just I want to make that there's no causative effect in my view. I could be wrong. Uh, that uh, connecting the two phenomena. It's just a timing coincidence thing. Political disclaimer there. Rebel writes in and says, I really hope SC doesn't adopt an Elite-style dogfighting model. Elite can suck at times when it just turns into a FC-off turn fest, even when you get ships like the NPC Vipers that don't obey the same rules pilots do. Well, the auto-aim, uh, auto-hit uh, railguns are a little bit disappointing, and yes, there are some NPCs which tantalizingly always stay out of reach, no matter how fast or hard you turn. But I do think that it's they've got a very mature flight model that you can learn pretty easily. And then the difference between the ships is also the, it, the feel between the different ships is predictable. So I, 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 there's the, criti- the criticism is well taken, but I don't see how you can design a game, design a flight model that is easy to learn and translate across different ships and yet still be varied enough to provide a big ship experience versus a small ship experience. It, that, that is a tough, that's a tall order. Um, and Elite has pulled it off in my view, because I know what I'm going to do in a cutter, and I know what I'm going to do in a courier. They're different things, but the, the flight model translates along the entire spectrum. That's tough to replicate, I think. Uh, we'll have to see what Star Citizen does with the new model when it comes out. Yeah. And as far as uh, he hopes it doesn't adopt that model, that's kind of what they just did. So Kind of, yeah. Johnny Blondini writes in and says, Another great show, lads. I agree with the VR Elite views. I've been playing Elite with Vive for a few months now and can't even imagine returning to the plain, flat, screen, vanilla version. Seeing that smaller ships racing circles around me, my turrets hopelessly firing away as I try to drive my Type 9 out of a mining belt, watching the shields dropping away in starkly realistic 3D, makes me glad I have a desk job in reality. Keep up the good work. Yeah, so I, I did have a couple hours to go in and tweak my settings, and uh, you're having fun in your Type 9 with the turrets hammering away. When I change from the cutter to a fighter, okay, I get it now. I now understand. <laughs> I, I understand, and I also I was also I also tweaked the settings a bit so the picture got a little clearer for me, and it worked better with my the my narrowly set little beady eyes that were not working so well in some of the other settings. Uh, so I I I, th- I think I get it now, and yeah, walking around in your cockpit is kind of amazing. Oh yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it's uh it is it, it's the fertile ants I think is your is so far my favorite experience. That one seems like the best setup you got the windows above your head that stretch back the length of the, of the cockpit so you're, you can if you're sitting in the starport you can look up and just watch all the traffic up above you 
Um, it's it it's kind of cool, and immersive is 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 a word I will definitely use. I'd like to give you another one um, you might not have tried yet. The Cobra Mark three or four actually the same cockpit, but the Cobra, that cockpit mm-hmm. in VR feels the most like you're in just like a vehicle, like you're in an RV or something. Like the it's like a big open cockpit kind of, but it's full of chairs, and then there's not a lot of space mm-hmm. behind you. But then the view area is real big, so it really feels like being in the front of one of those like big flat front like RVs with like the big glass view where it's like a relaxing S- ride school for, like, bus yeah it's like it's it's a not really school bus but something more like high end than that I don't know it feels if it's a really cool like um, small vehicle but it feels like something you would take on a vacation if you were gonna go on a trip like a minivan space. I wouldn't call it a minivan but like something like a bus maybe like Tony was saying but like a, a high end bus I don't know it feels like a, like a 15 passenger like Mercedes fan. I don't know. I'm thinking more like it's 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 my Millennium Falcon type ship. That's the one I fly. It gives me the same kind of uh, vibes. You have that same kind of small cockpit that's got a lot of room in the back of it. So people could be there. I don't know. This is the vibe I get for. I really like that cockpit in VR, and it's off center, which is weird because I hate that those off center cockpits except for that one. Yeah, the 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 Fertilance is off center too, and you've mentioned that before, Henry. That's a little bit off to the right. It's very British. Um, but in VR, uh, when you look at the nose of the Fertilance, there's a little uh, cowling or casing or something that sort of sits on the nose of the ship. In a regular flat screen environment, you can't see over the radar uh, pedestal to, to see that. But in VR, the three-dimensional perspective, I can see over the radar pedestal to that notch. So I always know where the center of the, the center line of the ship is. And that's that is. A, I mean, it seems like just a stupid difference, but it lets me orient my brain to where the middle of the ship is. And it, it may it, because I, I understand where Henry comes from with it being a little bit off center. But having that that orientation point uh, makes a huge difference to you know being able to feel where the ship's going. So it's 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 kind of awesome. It's kind of awesome. In uh, general feedback, Alec Turner writes in and says pissed, but I believe this was in reply to the BGS. And otherwise, he loved the show. BGS background simulation, uh, yeah. So there, there, there's been some problems in Elite with that. Um, they may have figured out the Thargoid thing because uh, the Thargoids last week were sort of running rampant, and going all over the place. But but some of that might have been figured out. They're still having some problems with properly tagging the systems going from infested to incursion, which is like infested is like there's some scouts, and if you don't blow up enough scouts, we're going to get the big ships. Uh, it's 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 been hard to to signal that to the player base where they should be uh, blowing up scouts. It's not not a hundred percent effective yet. Uh, so hopefully they get that fixed up. Elano Rebel, Rebel says, "Congrats on two fifty. That was going to be the other alternative show title, two fifty. So, uh, but that didn't make that made it didn't make it off the cutting room floor. Thanks, Elano Rebel. Ken from Chicago writes in. In a shocking turn of developments, not only was hashtag Tony was right twice, but hashtag Henry was wrong. I disagree. What? Yeah, you see, I think uh, something was misheard or something, but... Um, Tony uh. number one, yes, Elite Dangerous should reveal details of the upcoming release content or timing. You can't be vague with both. That's quantum physics. You either know the location or speed. <laughs> I like it. Um, there you go. The Heisenberg uncertainty principle of game development. That's it. Yes, yeah. that's, that's correct. That's correct. Henry number one, in space combat, a big ship should be able to counter a little ship's turning without gimbal weapons. Nope. That's not what I was saying. I agree entirely with what you're saying. 
Um, if I came off the other way, that's that's not what I was trying to say. I agree with you 100 percent there. What what were you trying to say? I was trying to say that uh, big ships should have to sit in a position and kind of control the area with turrets and gimbals because they shouldn't be able to turn and counter. I said a lot of people right. want that. You know, everybody wants to fly a fighter, ah. even if it's the greatest, biggest ship in the world. They want it to turn that way, and that sucks. Um, so, right. you know, that's my position on that. Uh, but hey, H- Henry's wrong about lots of stuff, so we'll keep the hashtag. I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Tony number two. Space combat should balance little ships turning with big ships turrets. Hashtag yep. Proof. Jeff agreed. Hashtag Jeff was right. Oh, it's a fact. So I'm right when Jeff yeah, agrees Tony, with me. If Jeff agrees with Tony, Jeff is or Tony's right. That's just a fact. No other facts in the discussion matter. Whether or not Jeff agrees matters. <laughs> also, three little ships should worry a big ship's captain. At least one of them is going to be free to whittle down your shields, weapons, etc. In hashtag STO, my fed cruiser gets swamped by small escorts so I can't focus all shield power in one direction since they're everywhere. I missed last week's hashtag RTV and the Kinshadow shoutout. I guess even hashtag Brian was right for publishing the hashtag VanDuelAgainstHumanity card game. We almost had perfect case for everyone being right. Oh, well, maybe next week. I wouldn't count on it. Everybody but Henry. Yeah, but I think I was either... Uh, I might have misspoken. Uh, yeah, I, there, there, might have been a, yeah. there might have been a miss. I do remember the conversation where Henry said about the control, about controlling the area. So perhaps there was a... Yeah, I mean, Maybe it was in the edit. Maybe it was. Let's blame. Uh, let's blame uh, me for misspeaking. Who knows? Or or blame Mikey for maybe ha- you know m- moving. It's your never words Mikey's around. fault. Mikey makes me sound funny when I pick on Mikey. Mikey is the best. <laughs> Mikey never makes a mistake. If there was a mistake, it was mine. I don't want to talk like a chipmunk, chipmunk this week. Speaking of audio and speaking of of Ken, Ken says in the chat that we should have an audio clip of Elijah saying immersion. Immersion. That's what ruin my immersion. We don't want to give him airtime on our show, do we? Well, we do. We make him sound like a Chewbacca. <laughs> that's that's how that's what we give Elijah airtime. Uh, so Peter Weatherspoon wrote to us on Twitter. You asked Galnet delivers. This is Haggis Pineapple Pizza. Oh my god! Really? Yeah. So and then he tweeted us a picture of a what a a round flat cracker like bread substance, presumably with. A massive something and then pineapple yeah. slices on top of it. It looks like someone swallowed too much chewing tobacco and threw it up on pizza and then cut up some pineapple. <laughs> You're like, we'll cover this up with some pineapple. <laughs> yeah, They'll no, never know. No, yeah. they don't know they're eating chaw. Oh it'll be God. fine. It'll that be is horrifying. So so Jeff, Jeff, does that look appetizing to you? Does that look like does that look like there like is dinner? no such thing as pineapple on pizza? The haggis is fine. Haggis but- pizza, Jeff. <laughs> Haggis pizza. It, it, yeah. doesn't look, it doesn't look like Haggis pizza. cooks the pineapple, though. Like, it looks like it's like raw pineapple on top of a cooked pizza. It does. It, uh, well, it, actually, it looks like old moldy pineapple. <laughs> the pineapple is the best looking part, honestly. No, no, yeah, it does. no. It looks like, sli- it no. looks like artichokes. It looks like sliced haggis, artichokes. Haggis pizza, man. Haggis pizza. It's awesome. Have you had haggis pizza there, Jeff? Peter Wotherspoon, did you make that or did you find that picture online? I need to know because if either way, that's a horrifying. If you made thought. that guy, yeah. like, dude, it, find it another. It looks like hobby. he got like a frozen haggis <laughs> pizza and then cut up some fresh pineapple on it. Now, now, uh, there, they actually even have canned haggis in Scotland, but I, I, I would not recommend it. I was going to say uh, on the next podcast, if you're eating canned haggis, that would be awesome because I don't believe you, you gotta, would do that. You I do mix not it with believe your canned craft dinner. I, I just hope that the haggis on this pizza was fresh. 
Yeah, mix yeah, it with, I, I, you got to mix it with your macaroni and cheese. Oh, the can yeah, the can the British canned macaroni and cheese. That's yes. right, some canned haggis and canned macaroni and cheese, all from the British Isles. No wonder Europe wants to kick them out. <laughs> no, 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 wait, they're, no, wait, wait, wait. Europe's not kicking them out. They're leaving in shame. They're like, we know we've we've done wrong. We know we've done wrong. We no longer deserve to be a civilized country. They can all go sit at Jeff's house and eat haggis pizza because they're all they, they can all have the the haggis pizza. I don't want that. I need to make that. I need to make that make pizza great again hat, and I bet I'd sell a ton of them in Europe. <laughs> Probably the, the Europeans would love that. And no new Patreon this week, which means no new random winner. But Tony wants to jump ahead and say something. Community question this week. How much sass do you want from your self-driving vehicle? What other games are close enough to Space Sims that we should be talking about? And otherwise, how was the show? If I took a week off, would we win Game Industry Biz's award for Podcast of the Week? Of the year? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on our show post, which you can find on our website and look us up on Discord. And that brings us to the end of episode 251 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 252 on March 19th, 2019. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist and master webslinger, Ben Idab for Candy Sanders, our elite contributor, Baxter, and of course, our audio engineers, Mikey, Lennon, and Bill Hardy. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. And special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Recorded on Friday, March 8th, and made available. Recorded on Friday, March 8th, and made available. For why can't I read words? <clears throat> I hear an echo, like we're in a cave or something. I heard an echo, like we're in a cave or something. I hear this echo, like we're in a cave or something. So, um, go ahead and. That was a yeah. segue. Blooper reel, Mikey. Beep, beep. Well, it was a nice one, but I'm not done with objects in space just yet. So Henry had a segue a second ago. Oh, you screwed it all up, sober man. Okay, all right, well, that's fine. So, so I'm just gonna cave into your, uh, uh, your 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 passive aggressive, uh, you know, dismissal of my attempt to get your segue back. It's like you shivved so. me. I made a joke and then you stabbed me and remade the joke with different words. Hey, so Tony's in complete control. We're now at now a submarine space galactic. Uh, all that simulator of some kind. So all that thing. Yes. And this yeah. is, that is a perfect yeah. example of what I was talking about. The show just works if Jeff wakes up once in a while and says something to Tony like, "Nah, just nah, Tony." <laughs> it totally works. It's all you got to do. It's the formula. We could be talking about kittens right now. It works. <laughs> Best damn kitten podcast ever. Space and... kittens. <laughs> I love Maine Coons. <laughs> Tony, you're a dick. <laughs> well, and now we have a show title. Best damn kitten podcast ever. I was thinking the show title would end up be some, being something about space sim spelunking with the caves in Star Citizen or something. No, I like kittens better. Kittens. Okay, anyway, but so... Uh,
Jeff, you've been quiet. Anything on your mind? No, 